Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to episode 45 of the Comic Pod in association with Anfield Index. I'm your host Rory Greenfield um, and this is probably the most long-awaited podcast we've ever thought of. Um, since we started doing these quite a while back, we, we always wanted to talk about this film um, and we generally always do come back to this film whenever we're talking Marvel. So um, tonight we're discussing the wonderful Ant-Man from two years ago, I think, 2015. Yeah. Um, Stu is with me. I am back again, which is quite nice to be back. So Stu's here, and we've got first-time guest, um, who I, I must say, I must say, <laughs> he's probably the most genuine listener we've ever had, who gives us really honest feedback, has really supported us since day one, um, is, is a really good advocate of what we do and someone we you know really really appreciate highly for it it's ali thompson how you doing mate i'm very good mate thank you very much for that it's just an absolute pleasure to even to be on as i say we just share the same passion it's just one of the most enjoyable podcasts that i listen yeah. to so thanks man you said that from early doors and and we didn't believe you but <laughs> we just thought you'd be nice um but no we we do really appreciate it we we've said from from pretty early doors there's quite a few people we always wanted to have on when the kind of time was right and the subject was right um and we we kind of glad we came to this conclusion because we we kind of banded a few ideas around and it's tricky getting you know i know you host quite regularly podcasts now but for a while, we, we do find it quite hard to, to do all these and, and, you know, do the prep and, and all the build-up and, and then actually host them because things come along all the time. This is, um, I think this is the, the most rhythm we've had this year. Yeah, because last year, actually, in fairness, we, we were doing mostly one a week. Um, and then, yeah, it, did get, it does get pretty difficult just because... And there isn't always, I mean, there's always things you can talk about, but it, it does need to be relevant. And for something like this, this is just a film that we, we all love, um, have wanted to talk about for a while. 
And, you know, there is the second film coming out and, you know, Paul Rudd's Ant-Man, you know, was involved in Civil War and, and obviously he's going to be involved in um, Infinity Wars next year. So there's plenty to cover, really. Um, we've got something which we've not done for a while, which is a legendary quiz. Um, Stu's got a few questions, so I'm hoping he's going to go easy on you as a first time anyway. We'll see. <laughs> I am not. I, doubt it. I am not going easy. I wrote yeah. the. I watched it a couple of weeks ago when we started trying to put this together, and I pretty much watched the film with my laptop next to me, and I just came out with about fifteen questions, and then I whittled it down. They're not that bad. It's not the worst one we've ever done. Put it that way. It, I um, think it's fair. So it's okay. the, it's the standard format. So we've got um, five five normal questions. And then if you get five out of five, you get the chance to go for the, the bonus sixth question, which so far only one person has ever actually done, and that was Zach, who is still at the top of the uh, the leaderboard. He and that was episode six, that. which was the 27th of January last year. So he, wow. he's, you know, before too long, he'll be 18 months unbeaten. Um, he's, no, he's, no pressure. Yeah, I, and don't no forget, pressure, no. the score to beat is two out of five. Sorry, Noah, tell a lie. The score to beat is one and a half out of five, which was gags in the first week. Gags, yep. So as long as you get two, that's absolutely fine. You still get to take the piss out of him. That's you know, the more, more than usual. Yeah, just wait till we get hands on. Hans is going to get seven out of six. Oh, He's definitely going to nail it. Hans will break records. <laughs> All we've got to do is track him down, the elusive bastard. He's elusive, man. One week he's in Sierra Leone, the next week he's in Sweden scouting. It's just incredible. And now he's in Germany watching this bloody Audi Cup. He's a well-travelled man, is our hands. Right, let's get on and do this. Right, let us kick off. Question one. What year is the initial flashback setting? Oh, do you know what? I just watched this earlier. Um, just trying to prepare for that. That's one thing I didn't even look at. I'm going to say, I'm just going to take a guess. Um, I'm going to go 1958. Nope. Way later. It's 1989. Was it that late? Yeah. I thought it was earlier than that as well. No, I was thinking trying to go in the... I was thinking it was before Captain America type sort of... No. Okay. Uh, Question number two. What is Scott's nickname for his daughter? Peanut. Peanut, correct, yes. sir. Right, let me mark them down. Okay, question number three. What What are the ants which can conduct electricity, commonly known as? Um, do, 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 do. Such a... Oh, I hate you, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it in the nicest way possible, of course. <laughs> So it's not the fire ants. No. We'll have to push you for an answer. Yeah. No, no. Crazy ants. Crazy ants. Okay, question number four. What is the first object that Scott hits with the growth disc in the back garden? Oh, Christ. I never expected any of these. I I thought that's quite an easy one. Yeah. When they go in the back garden and and um, he first gives them the discs that grow and shrink things, he launches one and he hits a something. Um, no, I'm going to have to pass. Sh- should we give him a clue? 
Yeah, go for it. Um, you might find one of them holding a fishing rod. Uh, what do you call them? A, a gnome. Yes, a garden gnome. Yeah. Correct. I'll let you off of that because I'm thinking I might have been a bit of a dick on these questions now, and especially. Well, no, it's, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> it's tricky no, because you only know what you know. It's it's one of those. It, yeah. You can prepare as much as you want. Stu yeah, screwed me over when he basically asked me how many types of tea were in Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> and, I, and I knew which one they drank. And I almost remembered all of them, but I couldn't remember how many. You got so, close. Yes. I think it was something like uh, yeah. 16 and you said about 13. I said 14, I think. Yeah. Right. I'll never leave it down. Question um, five. Our favourite character from the whole film, Luis. What song is he whistling the first time he walks into Pym Tech? Now, this is quite good when it's about Ant-Man. Admittedly, I only noticed this when I watched it the last time, which must have been about the sixth time I've watched the film. And, and you're a far bigger geek than me for these films. <laughs> um, I'm trying to even think back to the part of the film. I was just about to start whistling it then. Go on, whistle a little bit. <laughs> it's a small world. Yes, <laughs> it's a small. That was I, good whistling, man. I was sort of like a hidden that. skill I didn't know you had. Yeah. Yeah. Good whistler. <laughs> the joke is, I'm not whistling with my lips. <laughs> I, need oh, I have a long shaft. I need to burn this headset. So, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! Just now, so, I always said you were talking with your bollocks tonight. Yeah, it's a, it's a skill. I'm not going to tell you how I learned it, but. I did. <laughs> so that's three out of five. You don't get the bonus question, but we ask it anyway, just on the off chance. Um, when Ant-Man is fighting with Yellow Jacket, a song by which band is accidentally started by Siri when they're inside the briefcase? I, I'm not even going to cheat, right? I actually wrote this down. Nice. Um, I wrote notes in a notepad. The last time we planned to do it... Go on. Um and it was written down, and I'm not gonna—I I can't remember it, but I'm, so I'm not gonna cheat. Uh, but I genuinely do have it written down five yards away from me. Go on, check. Go on then. Oh, if, you, if, you, if you can get it within ten seconds, you know you what? I might be able to get it because I—I've not—I haven't seen these for like for two months. These questions—is it the cure? It is, and the song is called Disintegration. Oh, I was gonna say Disintegration. Which yeah, is I was. Really, I can't remember what one of them <clears> said something, and then Siri plays. Yeah, it, it's it's the well, cure. it says something to do with the cure to the I don't know something yeah. or that. Yeah, something it, like it's that. It's cool, man. That whole scene. I, I mean, Jesus. I, we'll come back to that actually because that's, that's a respectable piece. three out of five. Yeah, I'll man. Take yeah, I, I got some help, but you, you know, like when you watch the film, I did the same as you, Stu. Like obviously in a different way, and I started writing down silly things that. Oh God, mate! You wouldn't believe you know, what I, I wrote down for the Scott Pilgrim quiz. Yeah, I knew he was going to sting me with some <laughs> absolute bastard, and I wrote down completely the wrong things. Um, yeah. It's just the way your brain works and stuff, and Stu's brain I even, works. And they're very... I even try to remember like all the combinations of how he broke into to get the suit and nice. Um, and then Louise's like, you know, who who told them all the story? I try to remember the whole story. I was going to do one of them. Oh, you know what? <laughs> if you can, if you can if you can do Louise's whole end narrative statement, you get six. I don't care. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's the best, man. Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, he's the best. I think he's the... And I think we spoke about this on the um, 
San Diego uh, San Diego Comic Con thing we did a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, um, that Luis is getting quite a pivotal role in the, in the next film. Um, that's probably the best news you can ever get. Do you know what I mean? I thought Michael Pena was probably. You know, as good as Paul Rudd is, he's just he just stole the show a little bit. Um, as far as non non superhero sidekicks go, yeah, he's probably comfortably the best out of all of the the Marvel films by a mile. Wouldn't you love him to just randomly become a like sidekick in a I, suit? Or something? I want him, to, just be I want him to be in Infinity War for just fifteen seconds, twenty seconds, something like that, where it cuts to him. And he tells one of his bollocks stories and then it goes away. Imagine imagine Luis trying to explain oh. to somebody that Thanos has just come to Earth and is taking down the Avengers. Just think <laughs> about it and then you just <laughs> chuckle away for a good, you know, five or ten minutes. I was arguing with someone today um, at work about, you know, Marvel versus DC, and she doesn't like Marvel films because she thinks they're too, what? you know, too upbeat and too, you, you know, lighthearted. You and and DC films are all edge and all, you know, darkness and edge and all this kind of jazz. Well, if she never um, seen Winter Soldier, that wasn't very fucking happy. Well, exactly, exactly. There's a lot of Marvel films that are, are pretty edgy, actually, and pretty dark. But All of them, have, none of them are really, like... No. La, 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 skipping through a field of fucking pear drops. No. But, but if you say that they don't do humour well or they don't understand comedy in the way it should work in, in, cinema, in cinema, you haven't seen Ant-Man. It's always that's, my suggestion. That's, that's do you know what I mean? stupid. You haven't seen Ant-Man. You haven't seen either of the Guardians films. Yeah. You, you, yeah, that just doesn't work. No, I think it's, the, it's that whole kind of consciousness that comics have to be HR, comics have really to be translated out. into into exact frame for frame to cinema mm. but then the comics marvel comics are generally known to be humorous do you know what i mean that's the difference i guess in approach um that they're, they're a lot more lighthearted, especially guardians and spider-man and stuff it's always been known as being that way so um, spider-man's had some pretty fucked up things over the decade well no completely but in terms of peter parker being quick wit. Oh yeah, you know, very, yeah, very of, you know. very light-hearted character from that that point. Yeah, exactly. Um so there's a lot to talk about. It's it's obviously a couple of years old. Um and it was probably the I mean me and Stu always say this, but it is the probably the the most kind of low-key Marvel film in terms of you wouldn't have thought Ant-Man would translate to being a big successful film. Um, I, it grows similar to Deadpool, didn't it? Or just under, I think, which is pretty um, impressive. I think it did about 550, uh, let me check, 519 million off 142 million budget. So it made yeah a pretty reasonable amount. And I remember that's, saying that's before That's a big long, number for, a, for a, a moderate cinema release. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. a big number. I, I said before um, it launched, it's not going to work because he's a cheap rip-off of The Atom, and The Atom <laughs> wouldn't be very good in a film. Even with Paul Rudd, I thought, well, Paul Rudd will be great, but the, the, you know, the action will be shit. Paul Rudd's not going to be able to do fight scenes. Shut the no. fuck up, mate, because it was... that. But that's what made it so good, because it was a surprise. Everyone thought it would be shit, yeah. and so many people walked out just creased laughing. I walked out... My stomach was hurting because I'd been laughing at, at some of the points so much. Mostly the Louise stuff or yeah. anything where he was working with the gang because the gang were just so hopeless. Yeah, I, they were they were kind of the 
the epitome of the useless kind of group of cronies. Yeah. And when he said, when he said, you know, I know some guys, it's like, no, not those guys. Yes, yeah. I know some guys. <laughs> I just, I thought they were all brilliant, actually. You know, all their small, obviously small kind of cameo roles. But, um, but I, I think that's what was great about this film that I don't think anyone was trying to take center stage necessarily. And everyone just kind of worked really well in harmony. You know, the whole film, isn't too heavy um but it's got a couple of darker sides to it i mean the villain is is genuinely pretty dumb scary at times you know which it did surprise me um and it deals and, with some pretty hard stuff doesn't it if you think about the the basic point of scott lang he's yeah. been away he comes out he can't get access to see his daughter his daughter he has to sit back and watch his daughter being raised by another man you know it's it, it's dealing with some pretty heavy stuff and he's trying to get yeah. his life back on the I think the other man is Ray Romano's brother though, isn't it? So it wasn't that much of a heavy story. <laughs> um, he might not be that actor, but he's very similar. Um, I think it Ali, might. What, no, I your... don't think it is. No, he's very similar though. Very, yeah. very similar. Um, Ali, what were your kind of first impressions when you saw it? Were you pleasantly surprised or did you expect it to be good? Extremely. I was I was much later to Ant Man than than all of you. So I, I I didn't even hear about it coming out to the cinema. Um, it wasn't it was, huge. Yeah, it wasn't a huge kind of um, marketed everywhere kind of film. Yeah, I like think it. it was actually one of you two that recommended it to me. Um, that sounds like us. We do we do a public yeah, service. You know, yeah. Um, I mean, I had seen. I think like most of the the other Marvel films that had come out around the time, I'd seen all them. And I think it was just like maybe one night on Twitter, you know, looking for a for a movie suggestion, and somebody said, "Have you seen it?" And I'm pretty sure it could have been one of you two. And you know, I just watched it, and it was just one of those films that I instantly loved. Um, yeah. So I I didn't have the the unexp well I did because I'd, I'd seen this Ant Man film on I think it was on Netflix at the time. Yeah, it's been on Netflix um, for a while. Yeah. And it was like, oh, Ant Man? No, nah, I'm not watching that. Um, and then it wasn't until somebody else recommends it to you. Um, and now it's one of my favourites. And like, I'm, I'm not right into the actors and directors as as you are. I'm just the, the child fan. But Paul Rudd is bloody brilliant. <laughs> that, that could and, just and, be a, a line for life in general. He is just brilliant in most <laughs> things. Well, that's how I now feel. Purely because of you, Stu. <laughs> because Yay. your love affection with him is, is ridiculous. But... I'm just engrossed in everything he does. Like I now follow him on Twitter because his tweets are funny and his little videos he posts up on Facebook from like when they were doing Civil War. Just genuinely brilliant. And I think, I think it was you that said, Rory, as you say, oh no, it was you that said, sorry, to you about you know even Paul Rudd couldn't make this. Well, he kind of did, oh, and he, yeah. he brought up, he was like the glue that brought everyone else together. Oh so, yeah, you know, and it just I thought the film was just remarkably well done for when you think of a concept of an Ant-Man you're like nah especially for not the the, the the Marvel or comic book heroes more the just a casual fan you know yeah. nobody's going to look at that like what um, well, but it's not glamorous once, is it it's, it's not got yeah. the glamour and the, and the pizzazz of say Iron Man it's not got the, the acceptability of Spider-Man or yeah, Captain America exactly. yeah. it's yeah. such a left um, field pitch and I think well, that's it, why it's it was a field pitch. Yeah, it was like the whole thing from day one. You know, I don't think they would have. And this is me going to talk about Edgar Wright, and I'm going to keep it brief. Um, I don't think Marvel would have necessarily considered it if it wasn't a director and, and a writer that wanted to to make the film so much because that's 
you know, like Stu always says, you know, that a lot of these directors have got a lot of passion for comics. It's it's what they they have an interest in, and it's what kind of draws them to Marvel, and it's what Marvel, you know, it draws Marvel to them. It's 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 very much a kind of working relationship that the, everyone's got passion towards working on the same project. Um, the difficulty is with this production, and and the reason I'm always still surprised it turned out so well is that Edgar Wright, who has done if you don't know him, and you've not listened to me ever, but if you don't know him, <laughs> he's done um, the British, very British kind of take on on different genres. So he did the Cornetto trilogy, which is Shaun of the Dead, which is his homage to zombie horror, and then Hot Fuzz, which is kind of British action style. And then um, oh God, World's, the End. World, World's End, which is... It's the kind of sci-fi take, but not not as successful as the other two. And then Scott Pilgrim, which we we obviously really love on this podcast, and and then recently Baby Driver, which is kind of completely left field for him, but it's a really great film. Um, and he's a director that that does do projects all the way through. So like your Nolans, who writes, directs, produces, you know. Oh, he's there does, from day one, isn't he? Exactly. And he was in pre-production for Ant-Man until Marvel were basically ready to release it. And he'd worked on a script with Joe Cornish, who was famous from the Adam and Joe show back in Channel 4 days years ago, who did Attack the Block, which is a really cool little B-movie, British kind of B-movie, which is kind of horror genre. Um, And, you know, the script was sound and, you know, casting in place. But I think Edgar's story was going to be more about the Michael Douglas character, which I think you know, Stu. Yeah, um, he's the um, original, the original yeah. Ant Man in the comics, and then Scott Lang came along after. And so we I, didn't think, you know, we thought, and and what I've everyone read was it was going to be Douglas as the focus, and then maybe handing the torch at some stage, rather than the focus being more on on Paul Rudd from pretty much the get go, by the odd flashback. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I think what what the issue there was that they fell out over the script and the rewrites. And I think Marvel since have maybe backed away or worked a little bit more collaboratively with their directors because it was quite a big falling out for a director. And he is a big director. It was also the length of the project, wasn't it? Because he was attached to it for, was it something ungodly, like about seven years? It was seven or eight years. It It was, was, I mean, and that wasn't necessarily attached in, you know, written contracts and all the rest of it. It was, he wants to make this film. It was the ideas, wasn't it? If I want to do this, oh, well, we want to do it. What what about if we do it like this? And obviously they'd have a meeting, then go away for six months, then have another one. But he was, it was the same with uh, with Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool. He was attached, as they say, to the project from not even from day one it was from day zero and it's really sad whatever you think of Edgar Wright whether you're a big fan or not it's sad that the guy you put that much time into it wasn't able to be there until release and I do wonder if him staying till the end could have been the difference between it being a very good film and a great you know if that is if that could have been what turns it into people one of people's top five MC yeah I I think it could have you know, I love the film. Don't get me wrong; it's, it's extremely likable. But I, I think with Edgar Wright, because I'm such a Scott Pilgrim fan, and I think him maybe working with the cast and and using his visual effects because he's known for being you know, quite pioneering. You know, if you've seen Scott Pilgrim, that he edits things extremely quickly, um, and yeah, Baby Driver is a huge success. So at the end of the day, it, it's, it is a shame. It is disappointing. 
But you've got to give the director who came in credit because he was picking up the pieces. Peyton really, Reed, because, isn't it? You know, yeah, and and he's and Peyton, got Peyton Reed's just started putting out the uh, a couple of behind the scenes pictures now of uh, they they've just started production of Ant Man and the Wasp, which is obviously a direct sequel. Um, yeah. At the end of the first one, spoiler if you haven't seen it, but if you haven't seen it, what are you doing listening? Um, we, <laughs> you, you just finally get to see um, the daughter's uh, wasp suit where she's taken over from her mum. They've now cast the mother. They've cast Janet Van Dyne as Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, which so, is a really good bit of quality. Again, like Michael Douglas. So Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer is a pretty hefty fucking Hollywood you know, royalty Combine, yeah. combination. So it, it started well. There was a behind-the-scenes picture that came up, and it had Doctor Strange in it. So we don't know whether that's from the new one or if that's from Infinity War or something. But yeah, yeah bit of an odd one. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's it's, but it's intriguing. I mean, you know, if you've if you've seen that man, uh, I think Evangeline Lilly is is a great character. To be honest, I think her interaction with with Paul Rudd is 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 genius, especially when she kicks the shit out of him essentially oh god yeah well, <laughs> i mean they, they go from a genuine really deep-seated dislike don't they to yeah a, a sort of mild tolerance to obviously the end up together at the end yeah i mean her arc is interesting as well i mean from a perspective of michael douglas doesn't want her to wear the suit because he's trying to protect her like he, he tried and failed to protect her mom essentially do you know what i mean and that's what there is there is a bit of story in, and it's, like I think it, it's his redemption arc, isn't it? I couldn't save your mother, yeah. so I'm sure as hell going to save you. Yeah, and it is interesting that her relationship again um, with the villain is is kind of it's all it's very rare. I mean, Loki obviously aside, it's very rare that the villain is so closely linked, maybe with with the hero, and you know he doesn't know Paul Rudd's character necessarily, but Michael Douglas and Evangeline Lilly. And, um, it's it's kind of weird. That's that's quite well. It's quite Spider Man esque. Yeah, that, you, you'd agree with that. But it's usually like a doctor that knows, like a scientist that knows Peter Parker, and that's usually the the kind of classic formula, you know. No, that, um, that that's a pretty good uh, pretty good comparison. Yeah, it's, it's got a couple of. It's do you, do you not do you see some similarities with Spider Man? I don't know if it's just me, but if you watch Spider Man Homecoming, there's, it's definitely. I feel like Homecoming's taken a couple of things from Ant Man in terms of the way it. Oh, I thought you meant the from styles. the characters because I, I mean, I mean from the characters. Yeah, from but the I just mean in terms of style. With, I do more with Hank Pym than Scott Lang because oh, Hank, yeah, Hank but... Pym is like the 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 troubled genius, uh, whereas Scott. I, I I mean, I've not read much Ant Man's full no, stop, but... but I know Scott's whole thing was he was a reformed criminal and that, so it was a. No, I mean more. Different. I mean Hank, and then I mean like the villains in terms of being yeah, closely, the, you know, the close to home got... thing is definitely um, Spider-Man-esque, and it's more. If anything, even if it wasn't Spider-Man-ish, it's very typical comic book, isn't it? Of like you say, oh, yes. the, the villain is the Doctor or the neighbor or the the childhood friend or something like that. Whereas it, you know, it. Yeah, I, I can see but that. Some comics go like the the complete reverse of that. You'll go villains that are completely. You know, other otherworldly. Do you know what I mean? And I know literally. we get to Thanos, but you know, you'll 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 literally get to that point, or you go to those. You know, Spider-Man's always kind of people within, you know, that are experimenting and things go wrong and that kind of you know that kind of feel to it. So it, it had a couple of couple of things that triggered to me that it's got that kind of Spider-Man feel to it. But I mean, 
character-wise, is there anyone? Oh, let's talk about Luis. But is there anyone, Ali, that you you really like other than than maybe the main couple of characters in this? Yeah, I think I think Hank's actually my favourite character. Um, he comes up with. Yeah, he really is. Even from like the even the flashback scene right at the start, you know, the first one you see, um, and even these quick one-liners when he comes back. Um, and uh, so, I mean, we'll, we'll speak about lines in moments, I'm sure. But um, yeah. I mean, no, he, you can hit away great. if you got lines, man. Any lines? Yeah, if you've got them lined up, go uh, for it. The, the one, one is probably one of my favourite one. It's like uh, I can't, I can't even remember. I think it's Stark. It says it. Um, like uh, it's a long time no see, or how how are you or something? And, and Hank just returns back. How's your face? <laughs> just because obviously he punches them at the start. It's just great. Yeah. Um, just a quick, like, you know, you've got this old man walking through. Um, obviously, like the, uh, as you say, a genius, science genius. But just yeah. for him to come out with that line very early on in the film, just just excellent. So one that the kids are still obviously probably just over their head for any kids watching it, but the adults still get that little kick out of it. Yeah. Um, I think he's. I, I, I think, think Douglas I just... brings a massive like gravitas to it. Oh, he does. He, he's just such an experienced actor. I think he's very smart casting. It seems to be almost becoming a little bit formulaic. Formulaic now for every film that they're doing, get one member of the genuine elite. So getting Michael Douglas or look at Ragnarok, getting Jeff Goldblum and Kate yeah, Blanchett. You're gonna say Jeff. Yeah. I mean, Jeff Goldblum's fucking brilliant, but I think Kate Blanchett is an incredible one because she, she's like Michael Douglas. When she's on screen, she's got that kind of poise. She owns any scene that she's in. So you yeah. think of that as a villain. And, you know, in contrast, you think of that for the hero, for Michael Douglas. It's a hell of a, um, you know, appearance to have on screen, to have that kind of charismatic, you know, leading man type on screen, especially yeah. in a superhero film. It yeah. adds credibility, definitely. Yeah, to yeah, the outside, definitely. you know, to not to the not to me, you and Rory's, to the you know, like our partners or you know people who don't like comic stuff or superheroes and they're just going along. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. They, they see those actors there and they're like, oh wow, maybe it's not you know it's not this it's childish not thing because they're not going to put their name to it if it's you know. So I said, I I, I was, you were about massive. to say I'm not going to slag say like De Niro, but you look at some of these like. Well, I am going to slag the Nero a little bit. Dare <laughs> I do that? But um, you look at some of these actors that are maybe later in career, and they like they're huge kind of A-listers from the eighties as such, and they don't normally touch stuff like this. It's it's what they normally go down is the kind of bad comedy roles, or you know, just what you mean like almost, that dirty grandpa? Well, shit like that, yeah. And even the um, Meet the fuckers and all that kind of jazz. You yeah. know, it's for for someone of like De Niro's caliber, and then he's he's almost in really weird, like rom commy type things. You know, it's, but it's, it's obvious it's, why he's doing it, isn't it? The roles have dried up, and it's well, prob- it's probably the same for Michael Douglas. He's probably not doing much else, but I bet a lot of people when this was passed to them would have gone, well, it's a comic film. I'm not the I'm not the lead. I'm not even. You know, the second or third, you know, I'm way down no, the no, list. No. Yeah, yeah. But when he's on screen, he's commanding a lot of a lot of respect from the people around him. And technically, he kind of is the lead because it, it's a continuation, isn't it? This is almost like a second Ant-Man film. We just yeah. haven't seen the first one. There's There's been 20, yeah. 30 years of it that's gone before. And hopefully they did. They did really well, you know, to do the flashbacks and the way it kind of. They did the way they shot. You, those, you learn, those you learn. Yeah. You learn enough about him and and you know his 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 role as a kind of pioneering scientist and, and, and soldier. You know, 
yeah, the soldier. Those scenes exactly. when he's in Pimtech and they're showing that really grainy footage oh, of him great. taking out the soldiers. Like you say, it's just enough. They don't have to go in and show him wearing the suit in, you know, 1960s or something and show him shrinking no. down. Just give you yeah. just enough little little droplets of information and then you can put the rest of it to, together in your own head. And that make it's like when you see horror films, isn't it, where you don't see the villain until, you know, 20 minutes before the end. All the rest of it is just suspense and make you feel yeah. the captain. Imagination. Well, yeah, yeah exactly, man. And, yeah, and what, what, what is a comic a film without word. imagination? Yeah. yeah, and that's they don't need to feed to your, you know, I, I like I like the fact that it's not an over long and over produced kind of film. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't have the budget that some of the bigger budget Marvel films or DC films would have. Um, Hundred and forty million. You think a lot of that must have been taken up just with the scenes of him actually being small, let alone. Yeah, a lot of the CG in the production would would be into that, and and there are you know there are quite a lot of locations and uh, yeah i mean the the fight scene at the end is, is an incredible scene um oh really, it's, really it's well a long together. long scene that whole bit where they're in yeah in tech between the fighting all the stuff the with the last guards, 20 25 minutes of the all, film really, all the stuff with chunk. the um the ants because that i mean that is cg overload isn't it because they've obviously got the ants and the location of them being in the the servers and the sewers and everything that i mean you, you can instant. I'm, I'm actually surprised that the budget wasn't higher when you think it's so heavy on, on CG. Yeah. But it, it's subtle, isn't it? I mean, the, yeah, it, it, it is subtle. The, the ant scenes. I mean, the, the scenes when he's underground and, and the ants are up close are generally done extremely well. Yeah. Um, if you put a close eye to the the scene when he's going um, through the water pipes and then he's climbing up the ants and all that jazz, I'm not sure it would hold up maybe in 10 years you don't you know it's one of those things but i saw the scene with the ants you know when he and he originally wakes up in in their house oh yeah and they're all crawling around on the floor that's <laughs> one of my favorite scenes because i've been to um i've been to a rainforest before i've been to like the amazon before and bullet ants i saw bullet ants and, and they are the scariest looking things i've ever seen in my life um and i've seen tarantulas and snakes and spiders but because ants they hurt so badly and the floor in there is covered with them and oh, i just thought it was genius that he had crawl. to he had to put his feet down you know and it just made you quite tense you know because you just think if he stands on one and it would feel like he's been shot with a gun, which well, is quite interesting. And it's extreme, a chain but... reaction, isn't it, as well? Because once one yeah. gets you, the rest of them join in. And that must yeah. think about how weird that must have been for him to film. Because they've obviously gone to him right. Imagine the floor is covered with these horrendously well, painful... brilliant, yeah. And, you know, you've got to be really dainty. And while he's doing all of this, they've got... Um, I think Evangeline Lilly stood at the foot of the bed, isn't she? Yeah, she's she quietly is. judging him. Yeah, and he just doesn't know what to make of any of it because this is just after he's woken up um, after passing out isn't it after yeah. wearing the suit um, I think all the scenes with the suit and all the scenes particularly when he's training and he's oh, trying to go through the keyhole the, the keyhole is just put that, that's, <laughs> the just, great, yeah. that's just him at his slapstick best yeah and when he's doing the underground scenes and trying to learn and it keeps popping up in the in the ground in the garden do you know what i mean and enlarging it's just genius man they just make it work so so well because i think that's where paul rudd comes into his own because the guy got in incredible shape for the film and his, his comedy chops are, are clearly there but we always kind of said he was quite similar to um chris pratt chris pratt 
Yeah, exactly. So you kind of you you go in a little bit left field in terms of someone with comedic background, but equally who you know has to deliver as a leading man. Because let's be honest, forward's not known for that, is he? His, his, he his he career... is, but only in like rom coms. Yeah, he, I don't think he's ever been in this. But if you were to split it down the down the middle and say, well, you can either have a leading man type. And you've got to try and hope that he's going to be funny, or you've got a guy who's really good at the comedy, and you can hope he can be a leading man. I would do what they've done because I don't think you can teach comedy. You're either funny or you're not. You've either got the timing yeah. or you've not. You can grow into a role. You can grow in stature and you know expand into the scenes got, and what yeah. have you. But if you're not funny, if you can't sell a one-liner, it's not going to work. And that, no, that's where and you've got to give credit and, and to people work. like Chris Evans and stuff because he, as Captain America, you you wouldn't have thought necessarily had any kind of comedic stylings to him, but he he can play the leading man well. Do you know what I mean? But actually, well, I guess he's been in Scott Pilgrim and, and he's you know, those than I kind of roles. He was. He's clearly got it, but he's maybe never yeah. had the roles to show it. But maybe yeah. in his audition. They've but so, gone, someone what? like Robert Downey Jr. is the epitome oh. of the the dual role oh, because God, he's, yeah. he's clearly like the most charismatic man on scene ever. Even when, even, um, even the most charismatic, and also he he's a leading man. He's been born to be a leading man. Do you know he's what the I mean? most charismatic so, man on scene, even when he's not in the scene, he's still just in the background <laughs> being charismatic and hilarious. He's just brilliant. Um, I mean, even when you do the press yeah. tours, he's never off. He's Tony Stark, even when the sat in a bloody you know, at, at Comic-Con or sat at a premiere in Berlin somewhere. You know, he's always just hilarious. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen, um, have you seen Chef? I think you haven't, you do. Yeah. John Favreau film. Yeah. So um, he's in that, isn't he, in a very kind of brief cameo where yeah. he gives him the food truck. And again, you're just looking at the guy going, yeah, you're just effortlessly cool. <laughs> just, he is. Ali, that's a film you would like, actually. Just by the I've way. seen it. seen Have it countless times as well. Oh, yeah. good man. Yeah. Um, just but he, he's in that. He's just brilliant in that, isn't he? He's yeah. Just a, he's, I don't as know you why see, we're talking about just, Robert Downey Jr. He's just, but, he's just, well, it's, it's hard not to, isn't it? When you, especially <laughs> when you start talking about a Marvel film. It's like yeah. every character's got like a bit of them. And yeah. the, the one-liners and the little quirkiness. I mean... He he was the original. He yeah. was. From he all. was. Yeah, and he does inspire. You know, you look at it, and I do think he inspires the others in, in the way it kind of has come off. Because I he don't think there would have been room for people him. like Paul Rudd and Chris Pratt if if he hadn't maybe set the tone. Do you know what I mean? I think he is the one that everyone looks to and says, "Yeah." Well, he, he, he he we've said one. before, hasn't he? It, even though you know, for a relatively young age, he's the grandfather of the of the MCU because he started it and he's been ever present through pretty much in some way, shape or form. He's had his fingerprint in most of the films, even if it's just been, you know, a name check of our such and such Stark thing, you know, Tony Stark slash Iron Man has been a, a, a part of all of these films for the last 10 years. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's hard not to be influenced by that. And then, then you look at the, the man himself, and he, he definitely pulls everyone up around him. People that are acting with him act better, and have, have got they a do. lot more a lot more substance to them. He just seems yeah, like no, one of those people. Right. He, I mean, he, he's going to do. I'm sure working with him is going to do wonders for Tom Holland. You know, for oh god, yeah, for, for, for his process and and his... Favreau as well to an extent. I think we, we, when we're going to talk about Spider Man, it's that that's one Should of the be best next things about week. it. 
yeah, yeah. The, the, the that, that's one of the best things about it, man. It's, it's yeah, it, like you, you got that kind of experience, and it, it does tell in, in cinema. And I think that's why we're saying, you know, so speaking so highly of Douglas, because it does make the difference. Do you know what I mean? It really does. It absolutely and does. Douglas is almost like, it's almost like the Alfred, you know, it's almost like that senior role that's, it's the voice in his head, isn't it? Because he's yeah. the one that's talking Paul Rudd through things when he's flying and learning to do what he does. And um, yeah, I just thought, you know, moving on to the film itself, in terms of like the action scenes, is there any particular ones that stand out? I think we've got to talk about Falcon in a minute because it's just incredible. But... The Falcon fight scene was actually going to be the first thing I mentioned because it's not just the fighting, it's the lines as well. He's so apologetic oh, yeah, because he's kicked the shit out of an Avenger. And <laughs> it, it, it's it's sort of, it, it's his proving ground, isn't it? It's where he sort of proves to himself and more importantly, where he proves to Hank that he's not as shit at this as you'd think he's going to be. But yeah. all of all he of thinks he's a good thief. Good. I think that's all he thought he was. Do you know what I mean? Just a good thief. Um, yeah, but that, that's the than... point where he really believes that he might be maybe not a hero, but that he believes that he's able to do the the rest of the job besides just the stealing bit. But all of the action is good. I would like to know how much of those action scenes he shot because I think he's done quite a bit of them because he got himself into ridiculous shape. And I don't think you would do that and then just be content to be like, right, I've thrown the first punch. I'm going to hand it over to Bob over here to do the rest of it. I've said before, I get equally annoyed and angered in, in equal measure about the, the the fat or the less kind of, you know, muscular actors in Hollywood suddenly becoming in ridiculous shape. Oh, it's yeah. like they've got their comedy and then suddenly women just fall all over themselves because Chris Pratt is the example of all examples where he's just a fat guy who's very funny and then they just absolutely adore him because he loses now he's like hi look at me I'm gorgeous yeah exactly it's like mate this is not fair you can be one or the other you're either funny and fat or hilarious (laughs) and like weedy like me I've gone for hilarious and weedy (laughs) well it it works Um, I'm taking that as a compliment well, take it, man. It's fine. It's, it's, it doesn't happen often on this podcast. Um, <laughs> but I think the action scenes, and then obviously the, the that scene, I think with Falcon is just genius. And obviously, it's it's great because it kind of just without needing to kind of introduce him to the MCU, it's it's just a more subtle way of doing it. Do you know what I mean? If you've seen that film, and if you haven't seen it, if you watch Civil War. The way he's introduced is is perfect. I mean, you know, talking about Paul Rudd, he's again almost steals the show in that film, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. That one of my favourite lines from from Civil War is when he gets out of the the van. Yeah. Um, think, yeah. Thinks, thinks for thanking of me, and he goes, "Hey, I know you. You're great as well." He's just. <laughs> I, I'd like to think that that bit was ad libbed. I hope they gave him an. A I, rough do you know idea. what? I think it Jud- was. Judging him, it was, because most of the film he's, films he's in, all the kind of Judd Apatow films, you know, 40-year-old Virgin and, and then all the Anchormans and stuff, they're mainly ad-libbed. Yeah. So it's, it, I wouldn't be surprised um, if, if it wasn't. But especially, I mean, you do the very good um, giant man laugh, but it's just that <laughs> <laughs> exactly. See, that scene alone, man, I just think he fits so well in the MCU, which is just such a weird thing for me it to expect, work. because 
It shouldn't work, man. That's wow. what Ali was saying before. Man. He just makes it. He makes it work. He he does bring it all together. Um, and then Luis just expands upon it. But <laughs> um, the Luis, fighting at Luis the end, gets my, my favorite line of the whole film, though. Go on, let's when, hit some lines. Well, when he when he picks him up after the prison and he's asking how he's doing, and he goes, "Well, my girl left me. Um, my mum died. My dad got deported, but I got this cool van." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the van. The van's great." And this is about what two and a half, three minutes into it, and you're going, "Oh, this yeah, right away. <laughs> there's no fucking about. It's just straight into it. That line of the film, basically, the top five lines is the best five things that Louise says. Each one of his stories <laughs> counts as a line. When he's talking about that girl, that stupid, crazy fine, and oh, <laughs> stupid, crazy fine. And even he... the one at the end, you know, yeah. when he's talking about like. The, the Avengers are looking for him basically and he just it's... ends it by saying yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just the way he says yeah it's uh, just it's just incredible that whole that whole narrative at the end of the film it because it switches to so many people it's just perfect because the, the, it's so in synchronisation do you know what I mean you don't expect it to look like he's you know He's basically talking for them, but it just works so insanely well. Oh, yeah. um, him, his voice coming out of Falcon's mouth and his coming out of yeah. Stan Lee's mouth. It's oh, a, yeah, it's of a bit of a head fuck. It is, but it works. It, it really works. works. Um, and yeah, the sidekicks, like we said, are really good in it. I think Luis is the standout, but they're all kind of got a couple of quirks and it does work. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, surprisingly to me, David Cross... Is a really good villain. He is. I mean, the only only thing do I've ever lot. seen him in is uh, the Strain, the TV show on FX. If anyone's watched that, other than that, I don't think I've seen or heard of him in anything. But he, he, what is he in that TV series on Netflix with Kevin Spacey, isn't he? Oh, how um, the political cards? one? Is it House yes. of Cards? Yeah, so he's in that. Never watched an episode of it, but I've heard of it. So, what kind yeah. of character does he play in that? He just plays a kind of uh, a kind of innocent politician that gets a bit corrupted by Kevin Spacey's very dodgy politician. Aww. I've only seen the first series, um, so yeah, I'm not completely clued up. But he's good in that, and and yeah, I, I genuinely think he he's got a menacing kind of presence in this. To he's be a honest, good because... villain, especially yeah. towards the end when he's wearing the suit, and you can see it started to affect his brain. He's got a really deranged look in his eyes. He looks like he would actually kill someone for looking at him wrong. Well, he almost did because he kills the guy in the bathroom and just wipes him up with a paper Oh, that's because... really fucking grim. That's grim, man. And, and, you know, I mean, look, I'm not a veggie, but him killing the innocent oh, is kind that, of that just made me brutal hungry. as well. I was just craving lamb chops. I know that's fucked up, but I'm ri- I'm just hungry all the time. I'm the only person in the world I know that sees those horrible programs about like battery chickens and then just wants McNuggets. <laughs> I know it's fucked up. You don't have to tell me I'm a reprobate of the highest or lowest order, but hashtag forever hungry. Um, <laughs> and on that note. On that note, I don't know what to say. Um, but I, I think he looks great as a yellow jacket. I think I think... The, the killer scene in this is, you know, that whole last act. It all builds up to that that kind of big finale um, where they break in and the plan is is pretty much going according to plan until until he, he he's pretty much aware of the whole 
thing going on, isn't he, before yeah. his eyes? So he's he's a bit clued up to it. But um, the the comedy really does take place like kind of over the fight scene itself because the giant ant is is a thing of absolute genius oh, to me. Yeah. I just saw, and, the <laughs> and then they Thomas keep the it as a pet. Engine. Just yeah. any, any of the giant things. So there's the gnome, the Thomas the Tank Engine, and then ju- the the random bits in that fight scene, like the bit where he's got yellow jacket line on the train tracks, and then it zooms and it out, and you think out. It, it's going to be some gigantic <laughs> like train crashing all explosion, and just falls over, <laughs> falls off the track. It's one of those things. It's that whole fun- bit. Yeah, it's funny for the things you do see, and then funny for the things that you don't as well. Because yeah. I remember I a behind-the-scenes video of that coming out, and I was like, "Whoa, that scene's going to be amazing!" And it was just—it yeah. was amazing, but for the weirdest possible way. It's—it's it's the weirdest action scene that I can remember ever, and yeah. it's probably one of the most enjoyable, to be honest, because it—that—that, that, like you said, when it pans out and they're having that huge kind of battle, and all those lasers are going off, and um, you know, in their world, the explosions are huge. <laughs> But in the reality of things, it's this tiny little incident in a bedroom. Oh, yeah, and it's just it's, it's, just, it's like a little high school laser show, isn't it? It's just really crappy. And yeah. they're the throwing train cars at each other, and it's surprisingly brilliant. Surprisingly. It is surprisingly brilliant. And yeah, there's, it's there's more action brilliant. in it than I thought there was. The more I watch it, the more aware I am of how many action scenes there are. I think but, it's about the right balance, you know. I, I really do. And, you know, looking at... We were talking about CG earlier, but the, the scenes when he's flying on the back of Anthony. Oh, Anthony. I know. I knew you were going to say that. And that's <laughs> the weird thing. How do you get attached to an ant that looks the same as all the rest of them? But they've done that. They it's, did that extremely well. It's the classic thing. As soon as you give something a name, it's got a personality yes. and you get attached to it. And, it and they highlight it by calling them a number. Yes. You know, they highlight it saying, you, you call them a number? Yeah, and, and that's what you say as you're just waiting on the name after that because you know you're getting attached to that one in that part, and you know something's going to happen to him as well. Oh, you really do. It's that. one of the yeah, saddest and... death scenes in the whole MCU as well. The way you see his little wing flit into the ground. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> brutal, man. To be honest, because he just yeah he does clearly get attached to him, and and you know what I loved about it is that it wasn't just about his super strengths, you know, when he's shrunk and his, his, all the kind of abilities he gained, but it's also the ants that are the kind of crucial element to it, which I didn't think they would get right, to be honest. And I think they did get right. Again, it's, it should, that bit of it shouldn't work. Even if, if you look into it and say, okay, he can shrink himself, so that makes him an excellent spy. And when he's small, he's got the proportionate strength. So if he shoots himself or he's propelled, he's like a bullet. That's okay. You can think, well, you know, he's going to yeah. be a really handy fighter. But then when you say, oh, and he can telepathically communicate with ants, you go, fuck off. That's just stupid. <laughs> but then when you think that that gives him the, the ability of flight, it gives him the ability to short out electrical equipment and all these things. Yeah. All of a sudden, his arsenal's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And you can now see why, from an Avengers point of view, he makes total sense. It shouldn't do. It should make no sense at all. But it works. And he's not just a guy that, to, to me, and, and, and what you get with Ant-Man, and I think what you'll get with Ant-Man and the Wasp is that he is he's a criminal. So his, his mindset, albeit quite innocent, um, especially the Baskin-Robin scene, which I should have mentioned before. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely <laughs> genius. What was the line in that when he says, no one 
Um, <laughs> no one escapes Baskin Robbins or something yeah. like that. It's it's just absolutely genius. Um, but <laughs> I just love that line. Um, Baskin Robbins always finds out. Yeah. Yes, that's the line. <laughs> um, and I just I love it. He's with that absolute no hoper of a manager, and he's trying to act like he wants a job, and he clearly doesn't want to work in Baskin Robbins. Um, but he's struggling to go straight, and it's it's finding something for him to ultimately support his daughter try and get his life back on track um and it kind of works for him as well as you know in the role but equally his skill set in terms of you know using the ants to short wire the electricity and and break into the building and all that kind of stuff that's his skill set you know that's not just the fighting element to things and i hope we kind of see more of that in the in the next film because that's what is a differential between him and your other MCU kind of characters. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He is a different. Well, like you say, the, the, the fact that he's got a villain, uh, a, a criminal's men, uh, mindset, he's he sees a problem and he sees, you know, a couple of different ways out of it because he'll be thinking, it's... well, you know, we could do this where it, Captain America might think, well, I'm not going to do that because, you know, the, the police will get involved where he's thinking, well, yes. you know, fuck the police. We need to do this to get out of this situation. So. He's just—it's another dimension, isn't it? He's got the ants, he's got the intellect, he's got that slightly different aspect of, of looking at things. He's just a different—he's a different character. It's a different actor, you know. That, and that's it's... possibly why they went for the Scott Lang rather than the Hank. Pym. Yeah. Because Hank Pym, if you take him on his very, very basic level, he's an inventor like Iron Man. He's a genius scientist like Bruce Banner. You know, he's got—he's got—he's like a maybe a lesser. Iron Man. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he's he's an amalgam of like two or three existing people, whereas Scott Lang is completely different. The only way they could make Hank Pym any different is if he did some of his really, really dark storylines like the whole domestic abuse thing, but I don't see Marvel Disney ever even touching that with a stick. (laughs) I don't think Disney... Imagine pitching that to Disney. <laughs> well, especially when everyone knows that Disney is run by Mickey Mouse, so you'd be there pitching it at the, you know, the big giant mahogany boardroom table, and Mickey's at the top crying. It's not going to go down very well. That's a strange turn on this pod, Stu. That is a very <laughs> strange turn, even Did you not for know our that pod. That Mickey Mouse is real, and Mickey Mouse runs Disney. Yeah, well, I didn't see him when I was there, to be honest. Well, yeah, because he was in meetings. He was preparing for Comic-Con. Yeah, so about 600 of them, actually. He's a busy fucking... Yeah, but they weren't the real one. The real one, he was... Oh, he had very important things to do. He's a busy mouse. Yes. Like Santa. Yeah, like Santa. He can be everywhere. Exactly. I mean, come on, he's got to look after all the elves, hasn't he? Someone's got to keep the little (laughs) bastards in track. Uh, Why's the Lord spending all day on the internet? (laughs) It's all right, I'll take my tablets when we're done. I'll be fine. Good, good. I, I, I was getting a little bit concerned. Um, is there anything we need to talk about Ant-Man? Are we happy with that? And talk a little bit about the sequel that's coming out next year? Or can we just talk about Giant Man for five minutes? I think we should talk <laughs> about Giant Man at least for a little bit. Yeah, yeah Giant Man is great, isn't it? It just, was a, yeah. it, it's a shame that they ruined that one because when I was collecting the uh, pop vinyl figures um, and Ben... Um, if anyone follows him, his name's Beave on Twitter. He collects Lego. The the Giant Man thing was was a closely guarded secret. But then a couple of months before Until the a giant Lego came set out, came out, the Lego set and the pop vinyl figure came out, and they confirmed that that character was being done, which was kind of sad. 
because that would have been the most incredible surprise to drop on people because I already had my figure on order, so I knew that it was coming. Yeah. But still, it was a hell of a reveal. When he did it, that first time when he goes up and he does that amazing laugh and he just grabs hold of uh, War Machine. And the, I like the fact they did the, the flashback to that in the, the home movie in uh, Homecoming. So you see yeah. Peter and he's like, oh, that guy's big, now i got to go. Just really, you know, that's ah, fine. It's just this guy who's like fucking massive now, no big deal. On the phone. Yeah, when he's <laughs> yeah, recording yeah. it. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's just... And that, that must have been really hard to do as well from a, a logistics point of view. But it's, it's a brilliant scene. And, and obviously his connection then with the whole Spider-Man doing the, the Star Wars kind of stuff and, and just... Yeah. It's just, it's just. Oh yeah, genius. That, that, that old. It's movie proper kind of pop culture. <laughs> it's a proper kind of pop culture references, isn't it? It just yeah. works so well, and I just think what Paul Rudd brought to that film in such a small part was was quite special, to be honest. Because you know they were trying to introduce Spider-Man, and Tom Holland was, was amazing, Black Panther as well, and you had more. Uh, you know, it's a Captain America film, do you know what I mean? So it's still focused on Cap and, and, and obviously the, the big thing between Bucky and Cap and, and Iron Man and stuff. But he, he had a small role, but it, it was uh, it was quite a significant one for me because he, he provided the comic relief because it's not a film where Tony Stark was going to provide any comic relief. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't that kind of mindset. He, he was too he withdrawn, was. wasn't he? So somebody else yeah. had to step in and... And pick up those. All it takes is just a couple of one-liners a few times yeah. through the film. That's all you need just to provide the little bit of relief from the really heavy. Because it's Falcon, and... Falcon, and, and Bucky in the back seat helps. Oh, you know, oh the, yeah. the, the they, they were great together, weren't they? And yeah, now you've got, you've got a nice little fun. relationship between Ant Man and Falcon, where he calls him Tic Tac, and he, he's obviously <laughs> mortally. <laughs> He's so, I forgot about that. He, he's he's so embarrassed, ashamed. though, isn't he? Yeah, like, he's he got beaten by a fucking rookie. He's yeah. absolutely schooled. Yeah, it does make you question, like, Falcon's ranking in the MCU. I think he's down there near the bottom, to be honest. <laughs> it's just because he's... He actually improved in Civil War, though, in fairness. Like, I, I think it's, he's got a little bit more to his arsenal. Um, I think it, but... since since the character... They've matured the character on screen, but, yeah, previously they made him look a bit daft. But now they did. since they upgraded his, his equipment, so the wings that can turn into the shield on his back, they've That's got more cool. more missiles and stuff like that. And uh, since they brought Red Wing in, Red Wing's brilliant. Although yeah, in the comic, Red, Red Wing's an actual falcon, like a real one, which would have been weird as shit if they tried to do you that. Could, in, you in couldn't the... do that. You, you just, I don't think you could oh, have pulled that off. No, yeah. you start pissing off Peter and all the animal nonsense. <laughs> That's the last thing you need for Disney film. Peter rather than Peter, but either way, <laughs> you knew. Well, it doesn't matter. You still knew those animal nonces. So animal nonces. We've yeah. we've gone. Yeah, we've gone there on the spot. We have called Peter the animal nonces. No, um, technically, I was calling a guy called Peter an animal nonce. <laughs> I just don't like this one guy called Peter. You've already said that you oh, saw yeah. you, so you wanted lamb chops after seeing the lamb disintegrate. Mm, yeah. So you know well, we're there want, already. We're there already. Animal activists do not like the AI comic pod. That is official. Yeah, yeah. Um, some kind of a T-shirt to be made for that. <laughs> we'll have to get gags on it in the uh, the AI design department. 
Yeah, it's, it's coming on, man. It's coming on. I, I haven't seen an AI comic pod t-shirt on order yet. It's slightly disappointing, to be no, honest. No, I still need my hashtag stabby ones and shooty ones and scratchy ones. I need that. <laughs> scratchy ones? Is scratchy ones Logan Wolverine? I don't think we've got no, that think, before. I think it might have been Black Panther, maybe. Nice, nice. We'll take that. Shooty, stabby, um... scratchy, yeah. All the major bases. <laughs> Yeah, all the major action sequences in the mind of Stu. Yeah. I can imagine you like going as a director, you know, with the big boards, just stabby ones, you know, just, uh, yeah, it'd be genius, you directing Daredevil. Um... <laughs> I'm just going to think about that for a few minutes. If a zone out, that, give me a nudge. That's fine. Um, but yeah, we're excited to, obviously, the film next year. I, I hope it just, a bit more of the same, to be honest. Do you know what I mean? It is next year. Yeah, I think so. Bloody Isn't it been... out? Is it out before um, Infinity Wars? Or after. are we? I think it's after because they said that the Wasp wasn't going to be in it. It was thought that she might I have. I need to look at this. I haven't seen it for a while. Um, oh I'm God, sure when's? I, I remember. I'm sure I remember reading something. That when's Black Panther out? Oh, you know what? I, I couldn't tell. My timeline right. is way off. This year's let's, just completely Let's do it. Ragnarok's, yeah, Black Panther's first. It's out on the 16th of February. And then Infinity Wars. And then Ant-Man vs. Wasp is out in July. Um, and then we've got later in the year. Oh, so Ant-Man, I think that's Ant-Man it. Wasp is the, the big I think Captain right? Marvel is until March 2019, which is a bit later than I thought it was. And then Avengers is out like summer that year. So, yeah, it'll be interesting how they play that. Um, Ant-Man versus the Wasp is, is the July. I would have thought they were, for me, Black Panther might have made a bit more sense for that. Yeah, it seems the May release is kind of their biggie, though, because Guardians has been that, hasn't it? And then... Although yeah, it wasn't MCU, Avengers... Dead, Deadpool was February. I suppose it's because yeah. there's no competition. Yeah, and well, we've got something to promote, which is your excellent Batman podcast. Yeah, um, by the time this one comes out, I think the the Batman one will have been out a week, maybe a week and a half. So Joey and I have done, uh, Joey Connors that is, have done a a look back at Batman as a whole. So we we tried to split the pod and we did a lot of looking at Batman historically, um, his allies, his villains. And then we did a little bit about the Rebirth comics and then we've done our top five recommended reads. And it's a format that we're going to try and use more going forward. So around the the release of major films and when TV shows come back, we're going to try and give people like uh, character profiles and recommended reads because we've started getting more people coming to us now saying, you know, our Wonder Woman was brilliant. What books would you recommend reading? So we thought, well, it's easier for us to talk about it than it is for us to to tweet about it because we're just so... There's too much to say in 140 characters, so... Uh, if anyone's listened to it and has got any feedback, please send it to us. If you've yeah, any, we really do appreciate feedback. If you've got any um, suggestions for characters that you'd like us to profile, you know, someone that you, you don't know that much about, but you'd like to, if you're interested in getting into the reading side of it, please come come at us and, and tell us what you'd like to see. If we've not read much of them, we'll try and find people that have. Don't We've got half a dozen people, you know, within our ranks, I suppose, that, that can help us out with these things. And the more comic stuff we can do, the better, really, because we are apparently a comic pod. So, kind of makes sense. It does, yeah. And I, I like I said, if I get the opportunity to read stuff and come and get involved, I'd love to. I don't have the same background. Um, 
as these guys and time is always precious but it's great to read stuff and i've started getting into more and more stuff mainly because you know Stu and joey's love for it and, and and how infectious that is so um yeah it's great and the more chat the better and we we do really appreciate it and we want to get more first-time guests on and some great other people we can get involved i'm, I'm hoping ali's still there yeah still here yeah he's still there i thought you completely gone before um was that good for you man uh, happy with that. Yeah, brilliant. It's just honestly great to be on. Even just what like hearing you two talk about directors and actors, I, while I have no interest in them as we discuss <laughs> about my movie my movie genre watching ability. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But it's just so as you, you just summed up here, it's just infectious. Um listening. You can, you can and, get a cream for it, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well like and and that that Batman pod that yourself and Joy did is just brilliant. Um I'm glad you enjoyed. It's just really yeah. good. I, I love the Batman film, even the ones that people are bash. You love, you I love, love things other people hate, man. Yeah, I, I yeah. love that about you. I, I just love. That. Yeah, I'm yeah. just different. I just love cheesy stuff and like the old. I, I refer to the old Batman films it, to be like. There's always uh, a place for it. Yeah, you know, even the bad villains and the bad films. Like I heard, I can't remember Seth Rogen or some actor. He, they're releasing a pod. Uh, not pod, Jesus. <laughs> Podcast <laughs> on the brain, man. They're releasing a film which is about uh, like one of the worst films of all time, but it's like a cult film, and it's 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 kind of clever because he was talking about how bad films are almost remembered, not necessarily more fondly, but just more by people, you know. So these kind of good nondescript films kind of uh, fall into the history of film, and no one remembers them. But everyone talks about bat nipples and Batman versus Robin. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah, they still remember. And Robin. Yeah, yeah, they do for, for right Freeze. little wrong reasons. Yeah, Mister Freeze is probably the worst villain ever. Yeah, I agree. You know, but I still remember him. Do you know what I mean? And and that's the thing. Sometimes, sometimes it's just a bit of nostalgia, and and that's what. And the shit yeah, things make I mean. you feel better about the good things as well. Yeah, they do, man. When, yeah, when you say do. how badly Arnie did Mr. Freeze, you think it makes you appreciate Heath Ledger's Joker about 300 times more. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, for all the badly directed and badly made comic book films, nowadays, they're really hard to find. Do you know what we're I mean? We're spoiled like most, by Marvel. Yeah, we, I think we're spoiled in general, to be honest. And and I think Stu's right, and, and I'm not eating massive humble pie, but I think you look at DC, and I think sometimes you've got to realise that it's not always easy to compete with the more established, you know, company because Disney, like we were talking about pre the part, just basically rule the roost. You know, they, they just don't know how to make a bad film. I don't think anymore. I just think they've got the design so perfectly organised and they know exactly what the audience wants that they're just hard to compete with and you're always going to compare the two, like for yeah. like. So well, Ant-Man is, is always my, my example. I always say if they were able to market Ant-Man and make $500 million, they can and The probably, posters were incredible. They, they can yeah. probably do it with anyone. I mean, if they can do it with a character that's hard to get into it's no surprise to see what they've done with Iron Man and Captain America and, you know, genuinely likeable, really popular characters. Yeah. But you look at the buzz for Black Panther as well, just talking briefly, like that buzz and the trailer watch and everything, everyone's super excited about that film. It bro- I think it broke being honest, records for being the yeah. most watched trailer in, in 24 hours. It was fucking unbelievable. 
but it's bold. I think it's pushing boundaries that you know they people say Marvel don't push them. They oh, do. It is. Like, they do. It, it's, the, think, it's the first superhero yeah. film led by a black character, and it's it's and, a, it's and a with, very with a nearly all black cast. I was just going to say you know, it, it's it's a very sort of um, and Luke Cage is the same man. To be yeah. fair, you know they they're pushing areas which we all appreciate and, and cause sadly a lot the of wrong don't. kind of stirs with the wrong people. But for everyone that appreciates cinema and advancements and, and the way things are going, we, we, I, I want diversity in cinema in, in other ways. I want films to stand out and be different. And I genuinely think that Marvel give directors and people that aren't well-known opportunities to do that. They don't just go, Oh, here's a director that we know will, Make a film that people will come and watch, like you know, you know what Michael, Michael Bay or whatever, with his Transformers shite these days and stuff like that. You know, it's 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 doing things that are a little bit different. And well, that that segues we that. Um, three years ago today. Um, I think it's three years ago today. Guardians of the Galaxy was released. Oh, yeah, man. Um, and James Gunn put it up on his um, his Instagram and his Twitter before, and he was saying about how that film changed his life. So that couldn't be a more perfect time yeah. to mention that because you think yeah. they how different that could have been had they seen him and gone well you've not really done any films you know we want no you made a scooby-doo film yeah we, we, <laughs> we want Christ. we want a big name that people have actually fucking heard of yeah and then exactly. you, and then we, we've said it several times now about the guy that's directing um, thor ragnarok we oh Mate, if you see him the way he dresses, he's the coolest looking guy. He's, he's got a, like he's he's, a suave he's just so different. He's just so different though. Ali would appreciate his dress sense. Um, he's a very brave man like you are, and it's 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 to me it's it's great because you're getting directors that just as much as I do talk about directors a lot. For me, it's only because I like that they they're not just taking people that make paint by numbers films you know what i mean people that make the same old tried and tested films are taking people that will take risks and and will push back on marvel and and say no this is the way it's got to be because we want a film to be done in this style and that's why you get these films that we get and ragnarok is going to be like no other thor film we've ever had and it might not be like no other super film superhero film you've ever seen you know that's the whole point it's going to be very different so yeah, it's been it's been a great time, you know, whenever you talk about Deadpool and Logan and all those films. They're director-driven films these days, and that, that's why the message that's coming across is just way better than... than you, you know, you, that, you've it, got to it shout it out to Patty Jenkins yeah. as well for Wonder Woman for the same yeah, thing. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do utterly utterly director-driven. Yeah, exactly. And it wouldn't be the film it is. And none of these films would be the way they are without that you know, affection and, and love and effort and time consumption. And, you know, the directors that just turn up and get paid and go home don't make films they care about. Do you know what I mean? They just don't. And they might still make money and they might still get people bums on seats and all that, but they don't They don't make a film that you want to talk about on a podcast. Let's put it that way. No, so, I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Um, have you got anything, Ali, that you're, you're promoting, anything that's been written or recorded or anything you're planning? No, no, we're kind of on a little bit of hiatus just now from the Stop podcast. Just, yeah, just with this season went over, um, I was getting a bit repetitive with our guests, so um, just check out 11 Pieces of Me on World Football Index. We will be back soon with new guests and new cool, episodes man. soon, but apart from that, just I can't encourage everyone enough just to go back and listen to old, old recordings of, of this show. There's some great ones on it, even, even when there's subjects that you don't, Maybe enjoy the movie or 
Because just just listen to some of the stuff that's on it. It's just it's fun to do. You're far too kind, Rory. Pay the man. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I would, but I'm poor. I, I spend all my yeah. money on shit. And a wedding the same as me. We've we've no money left. Yes, <laughs> this is true. I, I've recently, all of my money that I that I've made uh, from selling a load yeah. of me Marvel pops has gone on paying for a honeymoon. Although I also bought myself a new amp. Yeah, Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse just literally raped my bank account, so it's not going to happen, guys. I had to take right. a second job on for this wedding. Well, see, mine's kind of fucked up because I sold a load of things that are Disney Marvel, but I've paid to go to California to go to Disneyland, so, <laughs> so they're getting all the money back anyway. Yeah, so whatever happens, Mickey sat there with a big old pile of my money, wiping his ass with it. <laughs> Fucking bastard. And on that note, yeah. um, it's been an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate Ali coming on, taking the time, and we will get him back soon. Hopefully, we will be back next week doing Spider Man. Yes. Um, and yeah, lots of regular pods coming out. So keep in touch with everything AI and all the entertainment channel and everything that goes on on our side of things. All right, take it easy, guys. Speak to you soon. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. 
To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs> 